Welcome to the Medical Association of Georgia's award-winning Top Doc Show. With more than 8,000 members who care for patients in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice for physicians in Georgia. Go to mag.org to join MAG if you're a physician in Georgia. And thanks to MAG Insurance Agency for its support as a sponsor. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Top Docs. I'm your host and MAG Interim CEO, Tom Cornegay. Today's episode is going to address a high-profile mass casualty training exercise that the MAG Medical Reserve Corps conducted with allied stakeholders in Warner Robins on June 12th. Our guests include Dr. Peter Liao, Dr. Jimmy Lee, and Dr. Karsh Parwal. Dr. Lia headed up the triage teams while Dr. Lee worked on a helicopter landing zone and Dr. Parwal served as an incident commander. It's also worth noting that the recently completed, that they recently completed their transitional year internships at Northside Hospital, Gwinnett. Welcome and our sincere thanks for your community service. Uh, I'd like to begin by asking Dr. Lee to give us a 60-second overview of the, uh, um, the MAG-MRC mission. Hey, Tom. Uh, thanks again for having us. Um, so, you know, basically what the MAG-MRC does is it's a joint venture between the Medical Association of Georgia and the Georgia Department of Public Health. And the, the main premise is to, uh, you know, allow medical professionals uh, to be prepared and assist the local community in handling disasters. So, for example, that can include, you know, hurricanes, that can include uh, the ongoing pandemic that has affected us this year. And the main purpose is to get, you know, medical professionals and other healthcare professionals um, in touch with local departments, uh, police officers, fire departments, in order to help people through these disasters and crises. Great. And uh, can you give our audience an overview of the training exercise that took place in uh, Warner Robins, uh, Dr. Farwell? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having us again. Um, so basically, what we tried to achieve over the weekend uh, was a lot of different goals. Um, namely, to begin with, we wanted to make sure everyone was familiar with all the different parties that were involved. We had folks from the 116th Air National Guard, as well as MAG-MRC involved. Local fire department and police forces were also there and present. Um, and so not, not only just connecting and uh, meeting these people face-to-face, uh, -face, but also uh, understanding the different capabilities that each group had. Uh, additionally, we were hosted at Central uh, Georgia Technical College, and uh, they have uh, not only nursing students, but Trinity School of Medicine, also medical students nearby. Uh, and so we took that as an opportunity to not only train them uh, in the basics of blast injury, uh, but also triage and medical management and how they can fit into a unified command and uh, incident command structure. That's great. It seems like there's a lot of moving parts there. So how do you prepare, prepare for something as large and complex as that? Right, it definitely took a lot of uh, reading beforehand to uh, feel confident enough to uh, play the part. Uh, you know, it starts with something as simple as SEMA courses that you can do online. Um, and these are, you know, a couple hours long and they really start the introduction and how incident command system, the NIMS system used nationally, uh, all sort of play together and how you can find what makes sense for you to do as a role. 
Um, you know, adding on top of that, we did a lot of reading uh, to the nature of blast injuries, different types of dirty bombs, and the physics of explosives as well, uh, so that we could also train people at different levels, including, of course, students, but also physicians as part of the MAG-MRC, and that what to encounter when they see a patient uh, that may have been part of a blast injury in their triage bay in the hospital. And what were some of the challenges uh, you face as a leader of the triage team, Dr. Liao? Yes, so the nature of triage is to be unexpected and chaotic. So you're not really sure the of the patients that you're gonna be seeing coming through the door, the extents of injuries that they may have and even the equipments that are available to you. So dealing with those elements and being as flexible and as adaptive as possible was certainly um, some of the challenges. Another thing I, that um, I considered um, were the learners. So I had mostly first and second year nursing students and medical students who are all at different points in their education and coming from different backgrounds. So there's an inherent challenge in strangers coming together to form a cohesive, te a, a cohesive team. And the last thing I want to mention is that um, I wanted to make sure that all the learners took something away from the exercise, especially being in healthcare, there's a expectation that we always make the right call and the right decisions. Um, and even I felt that as a student going through medical school, but with exercises such as these, I think failing is a part of the game and um, it's often the most valuable part of the exercise. So it's an opportunity to learn from your lessons and carrying it forward. That's great. And I, I guess I'd ask the same question to you, Dr. Lee, in, in terms of your experience in the landing zone. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think Peter brings up a really good point about, you know, just kind of like learning from your mistakes and learning from your failures. I think, especially for me, because um, I had never done anything involving the landing zone before. You know, the actual, the actual MAG MRC was divided into two days. You know, the first day was, was kind of more of a didactic session. So teaching the nursing students, the medical students. And then the second day was actually implementation. You know, so we can learn about all these signs, you know, what you can do to control air traffic. But, you know, once you get on the landing zone, there's like a helicopter flying at you. You kind of, you know, you get a little bit nervous and sometimes those things, your signs are not always as crisp or as accurate as you want them to be. So I think a lot of them for a lot of the lessons for me was just kind of learning how to uh, work under stress and learning from some of my mistakes. Um, I think another, go ahead, sir. No, I was just going to say, you know, one of the real key takeaways for me is that it just, you know, the message is that this is was such a real life event on so many levels that, uh, that it just, you know, that, that from the outside world, that's the perspective that I took away. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, I've seen I've seen tons of movies where they land a black hawk. You know, but when it's coming at you and it's landing and the wind is gusting in your face, it almost near knocked me over. So it's very, very different when you're actually implementing it. And I want to echo what Peter was talking about too, about just like training medical students and also nurses. I think especially one of the challenges for us, especially working in the landing zone, is that once you're outside, you know, you have all this gear on and you can't really hear what the other people within the landing zone are saying. So I think if we had, uh, you know, an improved method of communication while in the landing zone, I think that would have helped us a lot. But overall, it was a very great learning experience. I think we had a great team. So, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd ask you then, uh, the, you know, the challenges you faced there, Dr. Parwal, in light of the fact or considering there was about 270 uh, volunteers or participants in, involved in the exercise that uh, had to be chaotic. Yeah, chaotic is a good way of describing it. And uh... Sort of what Dr. Lee said uh, as well, communication ended up being the sort of theme of the day um, and learning how to communicate effectively, whether that's on a landing zone or through incident command, 
uh, became an emphasis that we highlighted after the first run through the scenario, and we try to correct as much as possible in the second run of the scenario. Uh, a great example of that actually was uh, through the radio chatter that we had running through the Incident Command Center. Um, and we identified certain streams of chatter that uh, would be best benefited if it was between the two parties and not necessarily pivoted through Incident Command. And in that case, for the second scenario, we were able to establish a secondary officer role for that position itself. Uh, and it was a challenge that we overcame, you know, having the opportunity to do it twice in one day. Uh, and sort of also repeating what um, Dr. Leal was saying, uh, the scenario is very dynamic. There's tons of people there with different backgrounds and different levels of training. And so making sure that we can provide value to not only, you know, their time spent, um, but also have something that they can take home with them um, and maybe use again in the future was definitely a priority. Uh, and something that we tried to incorporate at every level of the exercise, be it the didactic day prior or on the actual day. That's great. And uh, I guess, Dr. Parwell, do you, is, there a, is there a specific highlight that stands out for you uh, over the course of the couple of days there? I think one of the most uh, memorable moments for me was uh, while we were running the scenario uh, for incident command, uh, we have a safe word we use called real world uh, that will trigger whenever there's something actually happening and we all sort of have to take the mask off for a moment uh, and respond to it appropriately. And so adding all the aircraft in the air coming in at the same time, we had Georgia State Patrol, civilian air evac, uh, a Blackhawk from one of the air bases. Um, the last thing we needed was another drone. And one of the film crew was running a drone in the airspace above the vent, uh, but hadn't cleared it through in command. Uh, as such, we had a real-world moment where we stopped what we were doing had to identify the drone, or uh, very quickly uh, there would be little bits of drone on the ground and the police department would have enjoyed their, uh, their contribution to the day. Um, and so to prevent that from happening, you know, the, they declared real-world and we reached out to the command structure and found out it was one of the students who was involved in journaling the event. Uh, and we're able to redirect them from the airspace. And so I remember that as being, although we're part of a scenario, we maintained the decorum and order that we had been practicing and were able to handle a real world challenge that appeared while we were practicing. Uh, and uh, I guess the same uh, question for you, Dr. Liao, and I understand that so, some of the makeup uh, sounds like it was Hollywood uh, quality in terms of the, uh, uh, some of the, the quote victims that uh, were portrayed uh, during, the, uh, during the training exercise. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I was very, very impressed by some of the makeup and some of the, um, you know, the costumes that the, some of the victims had. I was looking outside and I was like, are people actually injured in the scenario? So it was very, very impressive to see. I think um, one of the other highlights for sure was just being able to land the Blackhawk, being in that landing zone and seeing General Cardin and his team come out. Um, and I think another cool thing, or um, I think very interesting, is that when we we're preparing for the final takeoff, it actually started raining in Warner Robins. So we were outside simulating an actual takeoff, simulating actual inclement weather. Um, so I thought that was a really great experience because it's kind of like what you would actually do if you're out in the field. You know, nothing's ever perfect. Nothing's ever, um, you know, set up the way that you want it to be. So it was nice to kind of have that little, uh, little wrinkle in there as well. That's great. And uh, Dr. Leah, uh, highlight for you, highlight or highlights for you? Yeah, I think so. For me, the training event highlights the importance of preparedness, um, especially when the event is around disaster response. And we know that practices and simulations become um, increasingly significant when you're dealing with high stress and high stakes environments such as this. 
And oftentimes, you know, even the most basic things such as communication start to break down. So it's important to be prepared for any sort of disaster that might happen. Uh, any high level uh, feedback in terms of what improvements can be made uh, for these kind of exercises in the future, beginning with Dr. Leah? Yeah, so a really big point that was brought up during our debrief session was that um, we can have dynamic standardized patients. So the idea is that the patient's vitals and their story will progress as the simulations continue. And this adds several benefits. Um, not only does it more closely resemble what happens in a real casualty, um, but it can also give um, real-time feedback to the clinical decisions made by the students and the learners. Um, and so it, also, it will highlight the idea that, you know, things are always changing and evolving. And so um, being vigilant and being adaptive is um, a key learning point for um, simulations such as these. Dr. Parwal? Um, I think uh, one of the biggest improvements uh, has to do more with just our approach to the event. Um, when something like this is planned, it's not very frequent. And so we like to incorporate a lot of different things into a very limited amount of time. Uh, and unfortunately, what that ends up doing is it, it, it can one way either inundate a learner in that there's so much information being thrown at them at once, um, or you could dilute a message. And so uh, one of the things that I think would be most beneficial from uh, in, in, in the situation where we repeat this or have another similar scenario is that we have a very clear objective laid out uh, ahead of time. I think if we look at this as an example of uh, a large coordination event, uh, it was extremely successful. Uh, we had folks from different uh, backgrounds and uh, associations coming together and meeting each other for the first time face-to-face, -face, which was great. Um, as a learning opportunity for learners, I think it really showed them the chaos of how things would happen on their own. Um, but when we tried to add all of that together into a very complicated weekend, uh, it's difficult to juggle priorities and time. Um, and so I would definitely just try to make sure that if we're teaching triage one weekend, our focus would be on patients and the quality of, uh, you know, moulage, et cetera. But if another weekend is specifically about meeting leaders in different fields, then maybe we don't have to go through the basics of, you know, taking breaths per minute uh, over the didactic sessions. Uh, but overall, just given the limitations of how infrequent this year has allowed things to happen, I think we achieved a lot. Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, you know, I know based on my experience that the MRC prides itself on, on training, the excellence and of, of training, the, the process of training. So uh, we're being, I guess, kind of ultra critical here, but I guess that's how we get better at the end of the day. So uh, anything, Dr. Lee, that you'd like to add in terms of uh, maybe things to uh, consider doing differently or uh, to improve going forward? Yeah, I think, you know, specifically for the landing zone, um, we had a little bit of turnover toward the beginning of it, you know, and I think for a landing zone, it's very important just to have very, a lot of consistency, you know, knowing where people are within the actual landing zone so that they know their roles, know where to stand, and know how to prepare for the eventual um, a landing of the helicopters. So I think, um, I think going forward, it'd be important to kind of like set up either like a group chat or some sort of roster of who's supposed to be in the landing zone, assign their spots and then move forward from that. Um, I think that was really the main thing that I thought what could be improved. I think also just um, also standardizing communication among the people involved in the landing zone would also be helpful. Cause again, like I mentioned before, it's very hard to hear other people um, once you're out there in the landing zone. 
I, I'm going to stay with you, uh, Dr. Lee, I guess, uh, get your perspective on how you see, uh, believe the MRC experience has enhanced your resume and skill set as a physician. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the MRC, my participation, it was immensely helpful, you know, not only through this disaster training, but also through um, a lot of the work that we did throughout the year, you know, which was uh, assisting with the COVID pandemic and helping vaccine delivery um, near the airport. So I think, I think one of the most important things, and we've talked about this several times already, was just how do we communicate, you know, when uh, times are stressful, when we meet people for the first time, how do we do, how do we communicate things clearly so that they understand us and that we have a plan for what, what we're doing while we're out there? Um, I think one of the most important things that I just learned from this transitional year is how do we work in, within teams? You know, how do I work with the, the nursing staff? How do I work with the social worker? How do I work with my physicians and attendings so that we communicate a plan and we can stick by the plan and we can deal with anything that comes up in case um, there's a mistake or in case there's something that we can improve. So um, I think this is definitely a great opportunity for us as transitional year residents. I'm definitely going to use the lessons that I learned, especially about communication going forward. Yeah, and by the way, it's so refreshing to talk about these kinds of issues in light of the, what I normally have to deal with on a day-to-day basis to get back to what physicians and, and allied healthcare professionals and, and workers get to, to do every day in terms of taking care of people. So, uh, you know, that's that's one of, I think, the real uh, the real positives on this front. Uh, what about you, Dr. Leah? Yeah, I think um, medicine is really good at molding professionals into highly specialized fields, but the MRXV experience gives you an opportunity to sort of step out of your comfort zone and meet specialists from other fields that you may not see on a day-to-day basis. And it also gives you an opportunity to take what you learned in your field and sort of apply that in a new and unfamiliar environment. Yeah, and uh, I guess I was gonna add add too, is I'm guessing the networking part of this is probably pretty valuable from your perspective as well. Yeah, so you get to meet um, specialists from all the different types of fields um, and, you know, learn about what they do in their day-to-day activities or um, how they approach patient care, then it's uh, certainly refreshing to see a different perspective. And what's your take on that, uh, Dr. Parwal? I think you captured that uh, exactly how I would say it. Um, A great example of that was another individual involved in the incident command level was a MAG MRC member, Dr. Corgaila, who's actually a retinal surgeon based out of Marietta. Uh, and it's definitely not, I would say, something that appears frequently in the wheelhouse of retinal surgery training to be involved in instant command. Uh, and so meeting people who are uh, much further on in their, in their uh, careers, getting involved at that level, I think is a, a terrific opportunity. Um, specifically with regards to resume enhancement, et cetera, I think of this as just a tremendous opportunity um, to see how many different ways you can be involved. Uh, I know prior to medical school or even through undergrad, there's a very nebulous idea of, oh, I wanna help patients, I wanna help people. To do that, I wanna go to medical school. And the brilliance of what MAG-MRC and the allied health approach shows is that you don't necessarily have to be the physician to help, but even if you are a physician, you can do a lot more than just see a patient in an office or a clinic uh, a bunch of times a week, but you can get out there and be involved at a very ground level. Um, And so seeing folks who are more than willing to do that um, was uh, obviously uh, a great example. Another thing, of course, was to getting to meet uh, General Cardin, uh, General Grabowski, uh, the folks from the military and the uh, Georgia National Guard. Uh, it's a tremendous experience. They've been very supportive of the MAG MRC and our mission uh, and have been very helpful in making sure that we're able to achieve a lot in these joint operations. 
I like to emphasize that aspect of it, especially, you know, we'll, me, Dr. Leah and uh, Dr. Lee as well, we're civilians. We, uh, you know, we have likely limited uh, encounters and experiences with military um, and being able to work with them uh, side by side in this sort of uh, disaster response drill really shows how many resources we can pull together should something actually happen. Um, and so even more than just our own, what we were able to take away from ourselves, it really demonstrated how much we could do as a state if we came together and uh, were involved. Yeah, and uh, just a quick aside, I know that uh, you get a chance to look at our website on a regular basis. This MRC is not limited to physicians. So I, I wanna make sure that we don't leave that, uh, you know, put that message out there that uh, they're, the majority of members are physicians, but it's, it's open to non-physicians uh, as well. So, uh, and I think in a lot of ways, you probably just answered this question, but I'm gonna go around and ask the question, what, uh, what would you tell your fellow physicians who might be considering joining the MRC, Dr. Parwal? I think, uh, you know, although I've had just a very limited time working with them, it's been a tremendous experience, not only in the form of networking, uh, but also getting out of your comfort zone, like Dr. Leon mentioned earlier. Um, as physicians, I think especially as we go through training, we like to challenge ourselves and keep trying to see how we can adapt to different scenarios and situations. We recognize that not everything that we'll encounter will have been written to us or we'll have read in a book previously. And so that adaptability is something we like to foster when we go through training, but um, it becomes a little less frequent when you become a practitioner and you get to see a lot over and over again. And so to keep that sort of edge sharp and keep yourself on your toes, I really think the MRC provides that opportunity. Um, and it shows that you can help out in many different ways, like you were mentioning, not just for physicians. And uh, Dr. Leah, anything you, uh, messages for your fellow physicians? Yeah, I think uh, Dr. Parlog touched on this earlier, but in medical school, you're taught to take care of patients and um, work in the hospital. But another part of being a physician is leadership and community engagement. And I think the MRC gives us, us the opportunity to do that, to really um, become a leader within our community and engage the community in teaching them um, skills and um, strategies on various things such as the disaster response. And uh, in addition to getting a chance to work with Dr. Harvey, anything for uh, you, Dr. Lee, that you would like to, uh, to discuss uh, for your fellow physicians? Um, no, absolutely. I, I love working with Dr. Harvey throughout the year. I think he definitely instills a sense of leadership within us all. Another point that I'd like to add um, to the great discussion that Dr. Liao and Dr. Parwell had is that, you know, in addition to really getting out there and serving the community, I think a great thing about MAG is you really get to see physicians outside of a clinical uh, context. And you kind of get to see their roles either within MAG or within the state. For example, we had a, I think, orthopedic surgeon who was also at the disaster curriculum. And I think she was also a uh, either former or current representative official within the Georgia State Senate. So we talked a lot about leadership, but I think that's also a very important thing for physicians or anyone in the, the healthcare system is, you know, having people to go to bat for you and understanding how you can work together um, to help physicians out so that we can provide the best care for patients. And I know you're all incredibly busy. We sincerely appreciate you taking the time here this afternoon. Uh, but uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to, to see if you had any final thoughts, beginning with Dr. Parwal, please. Um, I would say, like, once again, thanks for doing this. Uh, it's been a tremendous opportunity just for us to share our experiences in a way that uh, a lot of people can uh, listen to on their morning drive to work or, uh, you know, uh, podcasts are becoming a much more consumable, friendly medium as we uh, get busier and busier with our lives. But uh, no, I think, uh, I think I'd like just to emphasize that these opportunities were brought on 
um, because they exist for one, but also because we were connected to them through the effort of our program director, Dr. Harvey, and his efforts on em emphasizing the importance of doing these types of things. Um, it was really a genuinely rare opportunity. I'm glad we all took the opportunity. We all took hold of it and uh, made the most of it, uh, given the time that we had here at the program. That's great. And Dr. Leah, any final final thoughts? Same same point. Um, echoing Dr. Parwal's comment, I think this is a great opportunity. Um, not something that residents or um, fellows or attendings get to do very often, but um, being able to step out of our comfort zone and apply the skills we learned this past year on this sort of capstone event has been incredible. Okay, and Dr. Lee. Yeah, absolutely. Just want to echo the other two sentiments and um, definitely excited to check out a few of the other podcast episodes. And whenever I return to Georgia after training, I'd like to see how I can continue to be involved with MAC. It's great. Uh, great uh, comments and observations. Well, my sincere thanks uh, to Drs. Peter Leah, Jimmy Lee, and Karsh Parwal for sharing their insights on this incredibly successful event. Um, in my the five to six years, I think the MRC has existed. This has clearly been the one that's drawn the most, uh, I think, uh, interest from the outside world. So I think it's just a great re recruiting tool and it just sheds light on the important work that the MRC is doing. Uh, by, which, by the way, is, you know, significant contributions during the uh, pandemic. So I, I think we can never lose sight of that fact. So uh, we would uh, also like to thank every MAG-MRC volunteer member for their service to the community, especially Dr. Harvey and the rest of the MRC leadership team put in a tireless, countless hours uh, into this effort. Uh, benefits every Georgian. And as, as always, I'd like to thank and express our sincere thanks to every physician and allied healthcare provider and worker in the state for everything they do every day. So with that, from everybody at MAG, thanks for watching, and we'll catch up with you on the next edition of Top Docs. Thanks for watching this episode of Top Docs. Please share this program with your colleagues and family and friends. Remember to follow MAG on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget that you can get past episodes of the show at mag.org backslash topdocs. From everybody at MAG, we look forward to catching up with you on our next episode of Top Docs.